Thank you, Sue. And uh, some of you may have brought your Bibles with you this uh, Sunday. Anybody bring a Bible with them? A few people? Well, fantastic. Well, do uh, open those up to uh, that psalm if you um, haven't done that already. And uh, uh, also that the text is on the back of our service sheets. And if you've got a pen, you might like just to um, get that out and uh, underline some of the uh, key phrases as we, we go through our psalm today. Let me pray. Lord God, uh, please would you give us that hunger for your word, for what you have spoken and still say today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I first uh, placed my trust in Christ as a teenager on a Christian summer camp, I was given this Bible. I could not have received a more valuable gift. It took me a few years to get to know my way round it, and I struggled, I guess, at first. But as I read more and more of the Bible, it more and more changed my life. And maybe you found that to be true for yourself. In a world full of competing voices, it showed me what was true and what was false, how to live and how not to live, how to know God and how to be known by God. And over the years, the cover has come apart and the stitching has started to fray. There are lots of verses underlined and there are scribbles in the margin. In fact, the very first, one of the very first verses in the Bible that I was given uh, was from this psalm, Psalm 119. It was an earlier verse, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Uh, but, and now I have another Bible that I used on a day-to-day basis, but I've kept this first Bible as a reminder of the journey that I've been on together. And What marks the Bible out from every other book is that we get to meet God in its pages. It is his word. And today we're going to be thinking about the place of the word of God in our lives and turning to this longest of all psalms, Psalm 119, uh, which has 176 verses broken into 22 sections, each section beginning with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. And we're just going to look at three of those uh, sections together. And we're in this songbook of the Bible this September because as we're getting used to singing again, I think it's still that challenge of singing loudly with our masks on, but it's good to reintroduce ourselves to the Bible's own songbook. Uh, So far, it'll recap what we've looked at. We looked at Psalm 96 and the call to worship, the only one truly worthy of our worship, of our praise and adoration, the Lord God, our creator. And then we looked at Psalm 71, which was a reminder that those who've experienced the salvation that God offers are then to share that with the generations that follow, to be witnesses to God. And then last week we looked at Psalm 116 and what is involved in developing a daily walk with God in our lives, following him each and every day. So we looked at worship and witness and walk, and today we're in the word. And to help us get our heads around these verses from Psalm 119, I've got three questions for us. The first question is this, is the word of God past its sell-by date? That's what many people in Britain seem to think today. 
that is out of date and no longer worthy of reading for ourselves or even to our children. And even those who call themselves Christians are reading the Bible less and less. So that's our first question. And the second question is this. What difference will the word of God make in my life? Because it's a very personal psalm about the difference the word of God makes to us as individuals. And we're going to see that the difference the word of God makes to the author of this psalm and then how we can look forward to experiencing the same changes in our lives. And the third question is a more practical one. How can I develop a deeper love of God's word? How can we develop good habits that help enrich our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? So that's the journey we're going to go on together. Uh, Let's look at the first question. Is the word of God past its sell-by date? And the answer is, of course, no. The word of God is not past its sell-by date. It has no sell-by date. It is the number one best-selling book of all time. A hundred million copies of the Bible are printed every year and then sold or, or given away. The whole Bible has been translated into 349 languages. And 2,123 languages, the Bible Society tells us, have at least one book of the Bible in that language. There's many more languages it needs translating into. But sales figures are not the only reason from which we should conclude that the Bible is still being read and relevant to our world. It has to do with the Bible's author. Throughout its pages, the Bible tells us and describes itself as the Word of God. And God's Word, like God himself, is eternal. So the first verse we'll just look at is the very first one that we heard read, verse 89 of Psalm 119. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. That is, whatever God says is still as relevant today as when it was first spoken. We humans are mortal. We are here for a short time on earth. Generations come and go. And the words we speak have a very short shelf life. But our creator is immortal. Generations come and go, but he remains the same. The words he speaks in the past still reflect his character and will today. They are alive and active, just as their author is alive and active. So the psalmist is right to say, your word, Lord, is eternal. We change our minds over the years, don't we, as we grow in our understanding and experience. But God is different. He is eternal, unchanging, and so is his word. And there is, as a result, a lasting quality to what God says. It stands firm. Human thinkers come and go. Their words are popular for a time. And then someone new comes along and captures people's attention. To build our lives on what other human beings think is, in other words, to build our lives on shaky, constantly changing foundations. But God's word, on the other hand, is enduring. It stands firm. And God has so invested in his word that what he's promised in it, we can utterly rely upon. And that gives us confidence in our lives. I guess it's like buying a new pair of shoes or a coat or a even a laptop or a car, we will want to know that we're going to get the best value, aren't we, from our purchase. Will it stay in fashion? Will it last the longest? Which brand can we most rely upon? And in the field of 
ideas and values and truths. The world offers us new fads the whole time. One minute we're to be concerned with this, the next thing with that. But the word of God is eternal. Fads come and go, but the word of God endures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Do not worship idols. Do not take the lame of the Lord your God in vain. Honour your parents. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal or lie. Do not covet what your neighbour owns. Those ten commandments have endured through hundreds and thousands of years. They still reveal God's heart today, as much as they did the day they were first spoken in the Sinai Desert almost 3,000 years ago. They reveal God's unchanging concern for the poor and the orphan and the vulnerable and his unchanging heart for justice and mercy and pureness and holiness in the way that we live our lives on earth. And in response, we're encouraged to say with the psalmist, that's what the author of a psalm is called, accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth, verse 108, and teach me your laws. God has spoken And what a privilege it is that we may know the mind and heart of our creator. But we need God himself to teach us his laws, his rules for life. Knowing the eternal word of God should make us humble. We are to come not in judgment upon it as if we know better. We've only been, in other words, around for a very short time. But we're to come in humility. What has God got to say to me? And with an awareness that actually it's God's word that judges us, not that we judge God's word. And we, in fact, are in a better position than this psalmist, for we have the words of Jesus, the word of God, the Son of God, who is uniquely able to teach us what the word of God, how to apply it into our lives. Indeed, Jesus is, as the Apostle John uh, tells us at the beginning of his gospel, the word of God made flesh. And so we have in our Bibles an Old Testament and a New Testament. Uh, The New Testament is is the teachings of Christ and the life of Christ. And we're to read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. But it's why we have in our Bibles the whole of God's word, both before Christ and with Christ. So that's our first question this morning. Is God's word past its sell-by date? No, the word of God is eternal revealing to us the unchanging heart and mind of God. So that brings us to the next question. What difference will the word of God make in my life? And the answer is the difference between living in the dark and living in the light. Verse 105, have a look at that. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. It reminds me of when uh, we had a family holiday, October half term uh, up in uh, Yorkshire, uh, the children were a bit, bit younger, and uh, we decided to go for a nighttime walk along um, a, a beach uh, up at Robin Hood's Bay. And um, we'd uh, uh, walk along the beach, we couldn't, we got cut off by the incoming tide, which in the pitch dark is quite um, menacing. And uh, we had to work our way back over the cliffs to where we were staying uh, in a youth hostel, guided only by a rather tiny little mobile phone light. It was quite an adventure in the dark, one that uh, our family uh, remind ourselves from time to time. But it reminds us of the value of just even a little light in the pitch dark. 
And the word of God is like that lamp or torch that enables us to see the way ahead, which path to take, what dangers to watch out for, for the routes we might stumble over, for the potholes, for the, the cliffs to one side, for the enemies that might lie in wait. The word of God is, another word, a guide and a guard to us. It guides us by making us wiser and more insightful. I love the fact this might appeal to those still at school and college, that it can make you more insightful than all your teachers uh, and make you wiser than your enemies. But it's not just head knowledge. I have more understanding than my elders, he writes, because I obey the precepts and commands found in God's word. It's when we, in other words, put into practice what the Bible teaches that we really start to understand it. It's like the button on a lamp. The light um, doesn't begin to shine until we actually turn the light on and actually put what God has said into practice in our lives. Should I lie to get out of that tricky situation? Whom should I marry? How should we spend our Sundays as a family? When I'm on my own, how should I spend my money? When does life begin? When should life end? And given that we have all sinned, how can my soul be saved from hell? There are so many issues that we face in life, so many questions in which the Bible gives us God's wisdom, the insight of the one who created us in the first place, and knows the answers. And knowing what is right in God's eyes, Knowing how we will be judged one day really matters because sometimes when we face all of life's difficult decisions, the most important thing is having a clear conscience and knowing what God's view is on the matter in hand. And as well as guiding us and giving us wisdom, the word of God guards our souls. Have a look at verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. And verse 110, the wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Our psalmist has experienced the protection that comes from clinging on to the word of God through thick and thin. The truth of God's word, the promises of God have brought him comfort and reassurance. They have lifted him out of depression. They have placed a protective fence around his heart and soul. They have stopped him from falling into traps laid by wicked people intent of bringing him down to their level. And as a result, they are a different person. Rather than perishing, they have flourished. Rather than wilting away under intense pressure, they have preserved their integrity in their lives. And rather than tripping up and getting ensnared by the sins of the world, they have risen above them. So the difference that the word of God has made in their lives has been significantly life-changing. And I hope that you've begun to find that that's true for you. Because we, we're left here with, with two options. To follow the example of this holy songwriter and read and obey the word of God for ourselves, knowing the good it will do us. Or to take that other path, the path in the dark, the path that we're not quite sure where things will lead. It makes sense, doesn't it, to choose the light, to follow the light of God's word in our lives. And this morning, perhaps we've got that opportunity, but if we've never really committed ourselves to saying, yes, I'm going to follow you, Lord, 
and what your word says, to do that for the first time. Or maybe it's a chance to say, to recommit ourselves at the beginning of a new week. Say, Lord, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to meet with you in your word day by day in the coming week and the weeks ahead. That's the invitation and the challenge of these verses, to cry out like the psalm does, save me, Lord, I am yours. I want to the blessing of, of living life as you created it to be. So then, given the difference that the word of God can and does make in people's lives all over the world, let's look at the final question. How can I develop a deeper love of God's word? And the answer we're given here is by making God's word your heart's joy. Do you see that in verse 111? Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. And the next verse, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. So to develop a, a deeper love for God's word, you see, it's, we're not talking about committing ourselves to some dry book. It's not about, about getting to know every book, chapter, and verse off by heart. But it is to commit ourselves to God whose word it is. We love God by loving his word. Just like we might pour over a letter from a, a, a loved one. We meet God in and through his word. That's his gift to us. It is the sword of the Holy Spirit of God that he uses to cut deep into our hearts and souls. And even the Psalms, these songs of response to God, are not just human words. They've been breathed into existence by the Holy Spirit. And they're quoted time and again in the New Testament as the word of God for us. It's like a runner setting their sights on the finishing line. Our psalmist sets their sights on obeying the word of God to the very end of their lives, to their dying day. And I wonder if you've made that commitment to God in your heart. The words of God are to him like honey. Is a picture of some honey coming up? Is there any picture of honey? Well, it might come a bit later. Uh, even sweeter than honey. He couldn't wait to get back from work and open up his Bible and get stuck into it. He meditated, he says, on God's word. That is, that's something different from Eastern meditation where you, you, you empty your mind. Christian meditation is when you fill your mind with God's word. And that's what he did here. We're told he pondered on its meaning, reflected on it. How do I apply this in my life? He learnt verses off by heart, we're told. And he wouldn't, so that he wouldn't forget so that God's word went with him wherever he was. And he made sure that he didn't stray in his heart, he says, and that he was close to God. He kept close to God by keeping close to God's word, all of which helped to develop this deeper love for God and for God's word. So it may be that you're sitting here thinking, well, I could never live up to this level of devotion. The believer here in this psalm seems too good to be true. My own desires and attitudes fall, if I'm honest, far short of the sort of faith uh, and devotion we see here. I have strayed, we can say to ourselves. God's laws have not always been my delight. But in a way, that's the point of this psalm. What we have here is the picture, not of us as we are now, but of the perfect believer. What we have here is, in fact, a picture of Jesus Christ, of what he was like and is like, and of what, with the help of the Holy Spirit within us, we can become. 
See, Jesus is that perfect believer who kept his feet from every evil path so that he could offer his life as a perfect sacrifice, his perfection for our imperfections, his righteousness for our unrighteousness. And when we read these verses, we should think this is all about Jesus and what we too can become when we trust and obey him. So this is my heritage, says the psalmist, but it's our inheritance as Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives our hearts true joy. So what is your Bible like? It's said that um, someone whose Bible is falling apart won't be in their lives. But, uh, of course, there are new ways to engage with the Bible. You might like a Bible app on your phone. Um, the best app, uh, Bible app, I think, is the U version. And uh, perhaps many have, have tried that. What's great about it is it, you can listen. You can just press a button and it speaks to you. You have the wonderful dulcet tones of um, uh, David Suchet, Poirot, uh, speaking to you, uh, God's Word. I did that a couple of days ago. It was just so just encouraging to tell them to read God's Word to you. That's a great blessing. And then there are some Bible reading plans as well in it. So that's a great uh, resource. But I would say, actually, a physical Bible uh, is, is your greatest guide to really getting into God's Word. And uh, it's, there's nothing over a lifetime of getting into God's Word. Um, there's something, it's something about the 3D nature of it that actually helps us to get to know God's Word better. And, of course, Bible notes are really helpful as well. And uh, if you don't have any Bible reading notes... Uh, a new resource at the back of church on our information desk is this uh, newness of life, 30 uh, daily reading um, notes, and uh, that's a great resource. Take it away for free uh, if you're not into any Bible reading notes at the moment. And I noticed that uh, um, uh, uh, we also um, have a way in which we can get daily reading notes for you. Uh, that's uh, there's some to collect. I've just picked this up for the back of church. Uh, explore our great Bible reading notes and also daily bread uh, from Scripture Union. So there's some great resources out there. I, th I know for myself that it wasn't until I actually got into the habit of reading God's Word every day and praying and, and meeting with my Maker, which is what the salvation that Christ has won for us is to, to know that daily relationship with God that actually my life began to, to really move forward uh, as a Christian. So, is the word of God past its sell-by date? Absolutely not. What difference will the word of God make in my life is the difference between light and dark. It will pour light into your hearts. How can I develop a deeper love of God's word? Or set your heart on meeting God in its pages every day. But let's just finish by memorizing one of the verses we've looked at this morning. It's very easy. It's Psalm 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Will you say that with me? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And again, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And if we take it off the screen, don't look at the screen. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Psalm 119, verse 105. There we are. Take that with you into the week. You see, if God's word is truly everything this psalm says, sweeter than honey, why would we not want to bless ourselves 
every day with its life-giving power. Let's pray together. Father, where our love for you and our love for your word has, has grown perhaps dry, would you please rekindle by your Holy Spirit in this coming week a desire to, to meet with you, to enjoy all that you have to say and to be blessed by it in our lives. Oh, please, Lord God, give us a daily hunger. In Jesus' name, amen.